Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Oh, my high vibing friends. I am so excited that you're here joining me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast today. We are going to jump into how to make friends as an adult. When we were kids in elementary school or even in high school, friends were kind of just there. You were doing common things. You were at the same place. And although that can be similar, if you're working at a job, um, you might have colleagues or different things, but this also has changed with COVID and the pandemic and things becoming more remote or virtual. It also is odd because we jump into these weird people-pleasing um, and odd behaviors because we want to be liked when we're in more when we're an adult, right? We experience this when we're a teenager too. We talk about peer pressure and all these different things, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. And it goes to this basic um, psychological principle or need that we have. And Abraham Maslow talks a lot about this in uh, the behavior, or I'm sorry, in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He talks about this need to feel like we belong or feel love and that acceptance piece of things. So this will never go away. However, we still need to know how to make friends, right? And it's hard. It's not easy all the time when we're adults. You have to kind of seek them out a little bit more. So we're going to dive into how to make friends a little bit more easier today when we're adults, um, but we're also going to chat about a couple other things beforehand because it's really important to understand how we interact and how we are uh, around other people and why we are the way we are before we can dive into really looking at the external, right? We understand that the internal creates the external. So let's first talk about the blatant reality that we do not have to like everybody and that's perfectly fine, but people do rub us the wrong way. And often it raises an emotional reaction within you. So what are these emotions? What are they doing? Why do we have them? I'm going to tell you, they are super, super helpful. Um, because they're great teachers. When someone bothers us, it's because they've triggered something that's within us that goes against our values or a value we have. So let's take, let's look at an example. For me, when someone blatantly lies, it gets me super fired up. Like I don't like lying and I just don't see the point to it. And I can understand on a logical level why people may feel like lying is not super hurtful or even helpful in some ways. But to be just like completely blunt, I don't care. I don't like lying. <laughs> Honesty is a really strong value of mine. So lying obviously goes against that. And I can see from a person's point of view, if a person lies, um, it's because it's raising this sense within me um, that they're doing something wrong, again, against my values. And we strive per per for perfection as humans, especially in something we value. But I can't say... I can't sit here and sit back and say that I never lie, right? Which drives me crazy and makes me cringe even saying that because white lies are still lies. And I can justify these white lies in my head, you know, so that I didn't hurt somebody's feelings. Like if somebody asks you, oh, do you like my shirt? And maybe I'm not a huge fan of it. That's okay. But you don't want to hurt a feeling, right? We often lie not to hurt people's feelings. Um, or, you know, people ask those, those questions that put people in kind of weird situations. Like, isn't my baby the cutest baby in the world? Or 
oh, did I, do I look like I lost weight? Right. There's these weird things that we are, again, are seeking for that external validation. We're seeking for a connection on some piece, but the other person might be in a different position. And so they might come to a place where they're doing a white lie. Now, this is really up to the individual. For me, I need to take a step back and look at that the reaction that I have from someone lying is a reaction because I'm not perfect either. So it's more of like a guilt reaction for me of like, ooh, I hate that they lied and that ang- that makes me angry. But at the same time, I'm not perfect either. So I need to look at that I'm not excusing my behavior because often you we do excuse our behavior, but not other people's, right? We go to that place of where I can identify that I did a white lie looking at the situation and the circumstances around me. Um, but I'm also not paying attention to why the other person lied, right? We're not taking the their feelings or their context into play. Often it's just like they lied, they're wrong. When it's something like I lied, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or, you know, we, we look at this idea of justification more. And this is a really beautiful concept because I want to ask you, I'm going to paint this scenario for you and see kind of what the reaction, pay attention to what the reaction is. So if I ask you when someone you're having a conversation with keeps checking their phone, what's your initial reaction? Do you feel like you don't matter that they're not interested in what you're saying or really that they're just being rude? Because those are kind of my initial reactions, right? If somebody is, if I'm like having a conversation and they're just scrolling on their phone or checking their phone, I'm like, okay, they really don't care what I'm saying. But have you stopped and thought about the reason that they're checking their phone? No, we don't, right? The answer is no. We normally come up with this judgment that um, they don't take the time and they don't care about that situation. Like I just said, they're being rude. They're not interested in what I'm saying. I don't matter. Now, if you're at a coffee with a friend and you check your phone while in the middle of a conversation, what are your thoughts? It's different, right? Are you checking it because you're waiting on a reply for someone? Um, Maybe the babysitter reached out for your kids. Or even you received an alert that someone was at your front door. I know I'm guilty of that all the time, right? We have that security system, which shows me somebody rings my doorbell, so I'll immediately check it. But you're not concerned about the fact that you just checked your phone, or you might feel a little bit concerned, but the reaction is different, right? If if somebody is checking their phone and you're having a conversation, you're angry, you're irritated, you're upset. You don't justify their behavior immediately. You can later on, but not immediately. When you're immediately in the situation where you're checking, you can justify immediately, right? This is pretty backwards. We justify our own behaviors, but we don't justify other people's behaviors. This is called the fundamental attribution error. It's basically a physiological phenomenon where we perceive others' actions and behaviors as a defect of their character rather than taking that situation into account. And with ourselves, we're able to recognize the power of circumstance that our behavior is stemming from. It's pretty interesting, right? People's lives are really a lot more complex than they appear on the outside. And we often don't give people the benefit of the doubt because we're really involved in our own lives. They have a lot of other things going on um, that their behaviors represent. But we go quick to the judgment and make statements, right? And, And that's partially because of our biological wiring of being judgmental. We had to, you know, if we go back to looking at like previous more like caveman days, the judgment saved lives. We had to make immediate judgments, but that judgment has really stemmed into different situations moving forward. So let's look at a judgment, right? Well, it often goes to gossip. 
because if we're making a judgment, then we'll talk about it later with our partner or a friend or be like, oh my gosh, she'll never guess what blah, blah, blah did, right? And gossip goes back to that, the basic physiological principle, or I'm sorry, psychological principles of wanting to be connected to others, for others to like us and accept us. We gossip about other people to connect with another based on the behavior that we believe was outside of acceptable. So we didn't believe that the behavior of them checking their phones was acceptable. Now, gossip has a stigma. And I've had a lot of my clients um, and me personally make efforts not to gossip because the only thing that truly made me think before I spoke was the simple truth. When we're telling an individual about what behaviors someone did, you feel like that was inappropriate. That individual will subconsciously perceive you as having the same behavior. And this happens with positive qualities as well. So example, if I tell a friend that my neighbor is always drinking and yelling at their spouse, subconsciously, they attach that reality to me. They look at me as being drinking and yelling at my spouse. And you may not think about this, but this is how the subconscious mind works. And it works in really mysterious ways. So looking at the fundamental attribution error and this idea of gossip, and even though they're like backwards way of wanting to connect and be accepted, little recap here, people teach us, right? People are players in our lives to teach us different things. People are complex and gossip is really harmful to us personally. These are impactful truths that when implemented into our lives, we can change how we react to people that frustrate us. And we think more about the nature of people behind the scenes than how, or if we're thinking more about the nature of how people interact, then we can think about how we show up and why we interact with people a certain way. Okay, little snippet of gold here. <laughs> people will determine in the first 10 minutes of an interaction whether they want a relationship with you and what kind of relationship they want with you. Now, think about this. We hear that a first impression goes a long way, but it's more than just the unconscious body language and energy. It's also the conscious level, right? And we don't think about that. We think about like people's body language or, you know, we're just like, oh, that person kind of felt weird, right? That energy. But it also think about this on a conscious level. This is why it's su super important of how we react with people and what we bring to our first impressions because they are really important, right? 10 minutes, somebody's already figured out how you're going to fit into their life or if you're going to at all. I mean, that's crazy, now, I do want to say that when we look at this on a spiritual level, I completely believe that who we need to connect with, we will, and at that perfect time, right? Divine timing is always really, really powerful when it comes into play. However, it doesn't hurt to pay attention to how we're showing up, and now we're going to jump into those goodies about, let's look at them as gold standards <laughs> um, of how to interact with people. I'm going to give you a little bit of a cheat sheet, and we're just going to go through these and then we'll just kind of sum up. Um, but these are really good things to, to pay attention to. So first one, we know that people are complex, but simple behaviors can go a really long way. The number one rule of interactions is to smile. And I know that seems super simple, but sometimes we're uncomfortable and our body is more rigid and our heart is racing and we forget to simply smile. A smile is an invitation for somebody to connect with you. It's also a way that we feel happy, right? To others, we'll appear happier and genuine. And then the same energy will be attached because people want to connect. 
So a simple behavior of a smile will go so much farther than so many other things that people can tell you to do. Just look at smiling, right? You can see how a smile is an invitation for somebody to approach you. My husband would always tease me that people always just come up to me and he feels like they just tell me their life story. He's like, I don't understand how you invite people to just like share their stories and secrets and all these different things. But then I'm like, well, first of all, it's energy and all these different aspects, but also I smile a lot. I mean, I've literally had people call me out on my smile. When I worked in involuntary psych, I had one of the patients be like, why is there always a smile on your face? And I was like, I don't know. It's just because I connect with people that way. I am a genuinely happy person, but when you smile, other people feel happier, right? It's contagious. Next. People love hearing their names. There's actually, it actually elicits a response in their physical physical body of releasing dopamine and serotonin, which are some of those pleasure endorphins. So saying a person's name out loud in a conversation, even when it feels unnatural, is huge. Game changer. Smile, say their name. People have egos, right? We know this. It's in the human experience. So an ego loves to hear their name. It also feels more genuine. It feels like the person is actually connecting with you because they're saying your name. They're bringing you into the conversation. Okay. Next one. People love talking about themselves and their story. This is not because of the typical judgment that we attach Um, of people being selfish, but this is rather because, again, a person's trying to connect. It's human nature to try to connect with another person on a similar experience, right? It's a basic human physiological need to want to feel connected. And we feel like we connect, can connect based on experiences that we have shared, right? Think about that. When we look at people going through a hard time. We want to talk to somebody that has also been through that hard time because we feel like they understand. We feel like they can connect. It goes in the positive aspect as well. When we have had a really good experience, we want to talk to people that have also had that good experience because the emotions connect. So we're smiling, we're talking about their name, we're sharing, we're letting people lead the conversation and share their stories. Let Well, I skipped to the next one. (laughs) Um, I was saying, let them share their stories. But the next one, let the person lead the conversation. It doesn't necessarily feel good when you're constantly have to guide a conversation because the other person isn't really taking it anywhere, right? It's And and then looking at it on the other side too, it's not fun when someone else is steering the conversation to what they want to say. But trust that what needs to be exchanged will be. How you need to connect will happen. Let the other person lead the conversation. Take a step back. Enjoy what they're saying and actually listen. That's the next one. Listen. Oh my goodness. This one is just probably as powerful as smiling. Listen to what people are saying. There's a huge difference between listening and active listening. And we hear this a lot in the um, more traditional psychology approach of active listening. It's a huge skill, right? When people listen in a conversation, they're often preparing to what they're going to say back. This is especially true in arguments or even passionate conversations. When you're actively listening, you can absorb what that person is saying. And if they asked you, you should be able to repeat it back. That makes a person feel heard. And ding, 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 remember that people want to feel heard and seen, right? That's a huge part of feeling connected. If you feel like you're heard, if you feel like you're seen, you feel like you're valued, you feel like you're being connected. 
noticing a trend here. <laughs> so to do active listening, take a deep breath after they finish and try repeating it back to them. Um, so that you're practicing this, you're sharing what, and then you can share what your response is after you've already repeated back. I promise it'll make a huge shift in how you communicate with others if you're currently not practicing this. Because again, people want to feel heard. If you are saying you're listening, again, think of this in an argument. When somebody is arguing with you, you already have your mind made up. That's why there's an argument, right? You're not moving. And that's fine. Arguing is not great, but it's also really kind of a fact of life. People argue we are different humans, right? We just talked about how people elicit a response in your body. So this could be something triggering you because it's bothering you within you. Because remember, again, everybody is a player in our life. But think about how often you really hear the other person. You don't. And then this happens too, not just in arguments, but when people are trying to connect because you're thinking of, oh my gosh, what is this person saying? How can I connect with them? And you're trying to think of like, what is a similar experience that you shared so that you can connect? But I promise if you just listen to that person and are able to kind of reflect back what that person has said, the connection is going to be so strong. And I'm going to tell you a juicy secret here, which I'm sure many therapists and counselors in the world would probably not love this, but there is a tool called motivational interviewing. When you are in your bachelor's degree, master's degree, um, addiction classes, like anything you're taking that has to do with people, with helping people, I'm sure honestly, even customer service people do this, like, and it, it can be irritating in a sense sometimes, but also it's a really big way to validate and build rapport. So motivational interviewing, the tips and tricks to this are basically reflections paraphrasing and repeating back what that person said. This is all the counselor is doing. They're literally being a sounding board. So if you go to a therapist with a problem and you're talking about your problem and the counselor is using motivational interviewing, they're going to repeat or paraphrase or reflect back to you what was just said. Because the idea is that the person already has what they need inside of them to solve their problems. Counselors are and therapists and coaches, I mean, coaches too, we're not here to solve your problems. We are here to get you out of your own way to allow you to move forward in solving your problems. So motivational interviewing is a way that counselors are using active listening to reflect back what you said. And sometimes they'll do things where it's like a complex reflection is what it's called, where they're not going to say the exact thing you said. They might say what you're not saying, right? If you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really just stressed out. I have a million things on my plate. They might say, oh, you're really, you're feeling overwhelmed, right? That's a complex reflection because I didn't say you're stressed out where a simple reflection would be that. I'm using what you didn't say to reflect back to you. But again, active listening. And I would focus more on this piece of active listening of actually physically repeating what they said rather than the complex reflections because then you're trying to be somebody's therapist and that's not the point of connecting with people but just something to know that this is such a powerful thing I mean think about the things that people share with their counselors and therapists and coaches because they feel connected they feel supported and a huge part of that is building rapport which you can do through active listening and then the sixth sixth tip I'm going to give you Finally, is laugh and allow yourself to be educated. Research shows that people would rather make another person laugh than laugh themselves as a reaction to something, right? And the same is true for educating with this. And this is why these two kind of go together. People would rather educate 
than be educated. And people would rather laugh or make someone else laugh than laugh. Realize there's a time and place for this, right? But engage in the conversations. Be present in those conversations. You don't have to agree with everything that everybody says. If you don't agree with certain things I said, that's totally fine. It's a beautiful part about being a human, right? But these are really great ways to help us connect with people. And a lot of these principles are really easier said than done, right? Otherwise, we would be doing them. But they're also very simple. Just practice them. If you're sitting there thinking that your interactions are fine, I encourage you to still try these and see if you notice a shift. And then in turn, if you're saying, yeah, this is great, but I don't like people or I'm I'm an introvert, so I don't need to apply these. Also, challenge you to reframe that. Nowadays, there's a lot of talk about extroverts and introverts and how they function differently and all these different things. But while this is true, there's still one truth about this. Interacting with other humans is because we have a basic physiological principle, which is regardless of being introverted or extroverted, people who have more friends and meaningful connections will always describe themselves as happier individuals. Over the past decade, the biggest trend in life satisfaction and happiness is the complaint of not having enough friends, not having genuine connections. So think about that. If you do these things, if you make other people, or if you laugh and you allow yourselves to be educated, if you listen to what other people are saying, you let people lead the conversation, you let people talk about themselves and their stories, you say their name in conversation, and you simply smile Think about how important and meaningful your connections can be. It's not only for others, but this is something that will increase the quality of our own life drastically, right? These are not things that are only for other people. This is not a way to just people please, right? This is a way to step out of that need to people please and just be present in your conversations. Literally, that's all I'm showing you, right? I'm saying laugh, allow yourselves to be educated. If you're present, you should be able to repeat what they're saying, right? If you're present, you should be engaged. You should be inviting. Therefore, you would be smiling. So we're creatures of community. We want to have support. We want a place to engage. Allow yourself the permission to do so. When you remember these truths about people and these golden standards of interacting, you will feel better in multiple aspects of your life, in your life, right? Interaction is pleasure. We want to have interaction. Remember that thing about extroverts and introverts. Regardless of extrovert or introvert, the golden standard for people being happier in their lives and reporting life satisfaction is having more meaningful connections. Connecting with other people is why we're here. We're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to go through the fun, go through the struggles, go through life in general without connecting to others. You don't have to be connecting with everybody. But again, making friends as an adult is not always super easy. So if we pay attention to how we're showing up in our conversations and we truly implement different ways of doing this, then we're going to make a huge difference in our lives We're going to have other people feel better around us. And in turn, we're going to feel happier and more satisfied with life. It's really, really, really good stuff. 
All right, my friends. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us so that you can tell me what else you want to hear, how you feel like this is working. Try it out. Let me see uh, or let me hear what you think and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I would love to hear from you too. So reach out with anything that you want to hear. Let's dive deeper. Um, Anything that you need help with, this is what the Abundance Alchemist podcast is all about. Thank you so much for listening, my friends, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.